Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, here with my co-host of the series for the Ohio University Sports Administration Program and Laura Waters-Brown, and really excited to be joined by today's guests in Jessica Smith and Jeff Webster, uh, both Bobcat alums, and we're going to talk a little bit about new teams, new brands, new stadiums, and I think, you know, with all that comes a new experience, and excited to dive into both uh, Jeff with the Seattle Kraken and the Oakview Group and Jessica with Angel City FC uh, down in Los Angeles with the NWSL. Um, we with a lot of acronyms in sports, you know, it's like, how, how can you keep track of them? You got FC and so on. Uh, but, you know, let's just talk about uh, what your experiences have been prior to coming to a team that doesn't technically uh, exist yet in the sense of having played a game. And then uh, we'll go from there. Jessica? Yeah, so um, I've had the opportunity to work in minor league baseball, major league baseball, major league soccer, and the National Hockey League. So for me, my experience before Angel City was really working with storied brands and properties, um, which had an incredible history that you know, I was able to work within and leverage out in the marketplace and learn how to sell different assets within different leagues and obviously work within, you know, different demographics and what those reaches actually look like. Um, so feel very fortunate to have done that. It's a much different experience than what Jeff and I are doing now um, while that's all being figured out in real time. But uh, overall, it's, it's been a tremendous experience to date. And Jeff, you know, you're in a, just slightly north uh in in a different city up there rains a little bit more where you are right yeah just a little bit yeah i i uh yeah jake i similar to what jessica mentioned i mean my my experience has always been with really well established teams or brands um in a number of different sports i think i've worked in all the major sports other than baseball at this point um, with the addition of motorsports and, and NASCAR as well. And so it's taking a lot of legacy brands, um, you know, and trying to figure out how to really scratch and claw and take them to the next level. Brands that a lot of times already had a well-established fan base um, and had maximized a lot of their revenue opportunities in particular, um, which is a great experience and all in different shapes and sizes and different places around the country, which led eventually back to um, Seattle, but this has been a completely different new journey to start everything from scratch. And you probably wouldn't have had necessarily the opportunity to be involved in uh, these projects and these, you know, teams coming to life had you not had the other opportunities, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, like, I'm originally from Seattle, and so it's pretty um, serendipitous that I made my way back here. I always had the that in the back of my mind of hoping to do that one day. I didn't know that I would do it um, now, but this was kind of a once in a lifetime thing that couldn't pass up despite the fact that I was in the best job I've ever had with, with AEG in um, Los Angeles prior to, to coming back. But for sure, every step of the way, not only opened the next door, but prepared me for that next opportunity as well. And, and, having learned from the awesome people that I've worked for and worked with um, 
gave the tools, Jessica, I'm sure can attest to this too, but like when you, when you're in the startup world, like we both kind of are now, you have to, things that were super simple and easy everywhere else you've ever worked because of processes or procedures or historical data you've always had are really hard because you got to start them all from scratch and build them from the ground up. But that's the fun part about it. No, definitely. And I would say there's an added confidence with experience like we've had when you come into the startup world because you've seen the good and the bad inside organizations and leagues and you know the strengths and weaknesses that you're competing against and how to start building your property and strategy accordingly in the marketplace. You know what you're up against. So to Jeff's point from each individual and certainly each organization and each league that we've been fortunate to be a part of, that's just led to the knowledge base that's allowed us to then create differentiated properties moving forward with this opportunity. I'm going to kick it to Laura because she's, you know, the brand expert uh, here on this uh, panel. But, you know, as you think about, Laura, the, the brand side of things and really being involved in a brand that's starting from scratch, as Jessica and Jeff mentioned, you know, how do you bring it to life? Yeah, I think I think one of the questions um, that that I selfishly want to learn more about, right, is both of you, as you just mentioned, have joined organizations that are very similar to a startup, which is terrifying. Uh, hockey and then women's soccer. First of all, I wanted to be Mia Hamm growing up, number one. Um, but what made you want to take the jump? Like, what made you say? when you're looking at job opportunities and career opportunities of more established teams or organizations that you were previously a part of, what makes you have confidence within that brand to take that leap, especially with your career and your livelihood? Yeah, for me, that's a really good question, you know, because it's one I thought about a lot before taking this leap, you know, candidly. And for me, you know, I think a lot of us are going through this, especially, you know, in today's society, there's been some reflection time, right, that I think all of us have needed to really think through personal decisions that we make, you know, how we, you know, handle ourselves in the marketplace, what are we doing every day with our energy, you know, and for me, you know, I've put a ton of energy into this industry in so many different forms and being able to take that expertise that I've had the opportunity to then get and put it into a project that fits who I am personally with the impact that I want to make is really a dream come true. I, I know that these opportunities don't always exist, but regardless of how much work it is, when I'm able to look back at what I helped build and the impact that I made at an individual level, and hopefully what I've helped create from a team level that creates a legacy for how this team operates, it's something that I, I just really wanted to be a part of. Um, you know, and, and candidly, the opportunity to build something new is, while difficult, it's incredible, right? Because you're not battling what happened 10 years ago or what's been done before or the perception of the team. You get the opportunity at that moment to say, it doesn't matter. It's who we should be. It's how we should operate. It's doing what's right right for everybody involved, you know, and, and trusting that by doing that, you're going to have more success um, than you could ever imagine. Yeah, I think, and I, I agree with all of those points. And I would say like, it can be a, a bit of a scary thing because there is some unknown to it. There's a lot of unknown for sure. And the most exciting part is like, you get to leave your fingerprints on all of it, not just, you know, what you build, but who you build it with. And so like when I started in Seattle, I was, I was the whole partnership team that was here in Seattle on the ground. We, Ryan Brock and Dan Griffiths and some others, 
were um, leading the way in Los Angeles um, at the OVG headquarters. But uh, being a team of one, like, you know, our, our leadership group often refers to our new hires as first round draft picks, because how often do you get to choose every person that you get to work with? Um, and so that's a really cool opportunity to start from scratch from a personnel standpoint. And for me, probably the biggest thing, other than just the fact that like how many more expansion teams and billion dollar arenas are there going to be? Um, you know, we'd all like to think there'll be lots more, but uh, I think we've probably reached a plateau at some point where all the teams that exist are already there, unless you look at um, a league that's growing like crazy, like the one Jessica is a part of. Um, but it was a, a lot of it for me was the leadership of Tim and Todd Lewicki that I knew were the foundation of this whole project in Seattle. And just knowing the track record of those two, everywhere they've been in their careers and the, the huge visionary leaders that they are, like they were not going to fail and they're not going to allow anyone around them to fail either. And so, you know, jumping on that train and riding the wave with those two and then everyone else who's come along uh, for the journey along the way was really, really exciting and enticing for me. Jeff, I think, I think it's safe to say that cricket or esports might be the next wave of new venues. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I want to run with something that you just mentioned about the culture because you know, yes, you're not running the entire team, but you're building your department from scratch at least, right? And, and how do you go about building that culture internally the way you want it to be set up, not only for that launch and, and kind of that period of time, but then also afterwards? Yeah, well, we were, we were really um, purposeful and deliberate about the uh, individuals and the talent that we were searching for when building our team. And um, we're fortunate that we're the new shiny toy in the Pacific Northwest, a place that in particular has been um, desirable for many people to move for various reasons for other industries and whatnot to begin with. So we've had a great talent pool to pick from. Um, but within that, like we've had to be really, really thoughtful about who we want to build our team with and, you know, unique opportunity to do it. But if you don't do it the right way, it can also kind of make or break you. Um, so we were really looking for, in some, some cases, maybe people who are even probably punching above their weight class a little bit in terms of like experience, but they're young, they're hungry, they're super excited to dive into the unknown, um, you know, and don't have bad habits, but are willing to be team players. Like we were, there was really a specific set of characteristics that we looked for when we set out to bring folks on board. And then, you know, as we brought them on board, we've um, kind of one by one had to get each one to buy into exactly what we're doing so that then they can help the next person buy in. And what's been really difficult is that, you know, people for, from, from our team have been joining during COVID-19 where they're joining virtually. And so on a you know Monday morning all staff call, we'll have new people on there all of a sudden that pop up on our Zoom screens. We've never met them before. We've never even seen them before. We hear their title and learn about what they're gonna do. And then all of a sudden the next day we have to go start working with them. And they might still be in another state. They haven't even relocated to Washington yet. Um, and we dealt with a little bit of that on our own uh, team and department on the partnership side. 
where I think two out of uh, team members of ours joined virtually while they were still living wherever they were before they came to Seattle. So became super, super important to impress upon them just the vibe of our team and the core objectives of what we're all after as a group. And another question for the both of you, you know, both of you are in markets with iconic sports brands, um, not just on with performance on the field court pitch, what have you, but just in the world of brand activation, logo recognition, what are some struggles you guys are, are anticipating or looking for, or how do you stand out in a market like that? It's a great question. And I think it's interesting because it's usually phrased just how you think about it. And I think that's a lot of times how anybody in our industry thinks about it, just from a competition standpoint, with there being only so many dollars or so many fans, you know, to go around inside a marketplace. But what we found, and I think what you see in a lot of the larger markets like Los Angeles, is that it doesn't take away from anything. If anything, it, it adds to the overall sports environment, right, that the city has. And we're carving out such, you know, our, our own path in having a women's soccer club, you know, that doesn't compete with anything else, but provides opportunity and obviously, you know, exposure for these great cultural icons that are going to be our athletes, you know, to play in their backyard that they've been asking for for many years. There was a group, you know, called Bring NWSL to LA that existed well before this project was even thought of. So, you know, there's, there's room for everybody. When it comes to standing out, I think the most important thing is that your brand means something, right? So it can't just be, hey, we're here to play soccer, but there has to be a moment that Angel City stands for something that people can relate to. And for us, you know, how the team even came to fruition with Natalie Portman, really having that understanding of like, how am I gonna change the game? How, how am I going to celebrate these women to make sure that we can push progress forward? Our statement is that we're igniting higher expectations on and off the field through everything we do. And for us, there's three pillars that that fits into, quality, essentials, and education. You know, And there's many layers to why we chose those. And then every decision we make, whether it's sponsorships, so 10% of our sponsorships are gonna go into those pillars where we're creating impact, whether it's ticket sales, you're gonna see some interesting things that we do there into that model, or how we communicate with our fans, you know, what our branding looks like, how does our merch fit into that? You know, we have a filter that you know, makes us, as we like to say, bigger than a game. And for us, that is different, right? We aren't this legacy sports team, but we are something that's building something with purpose today that will stand out on its own. Yeah, and in, in Seattle, like Seattle sports fans are totally irrational in the greatest sense of the word. Like these people here are unbelievable. Um, the 12s for the Seahawks, I mean, like there's some there's some brands that um, represent even just the fans here, which is a cool thing uh, in addition to the great teams that make up this marketplace. But I totally agree with Jessica. Like we, we take the approach of the more the merrier. Like, you know, from our standpoint, if the brands and amazing companies in this region or nationally can support all the teams in this town, then we're all uh, better off for it, for sure. But, you know, at the moment, we're, we kind of represent um, some hope for, you know, the city of Seattle and for the future of what live entertainment and experiences with people look like. You know, you, you see the Seahawks and some other teams in town right now are the Mariners last season. And as we all know, they, they couldn't um, bring any fans into the venue. And our hope is that 
we're married up with the perfect timing of when everyone's allowed to come back in and share those amazing experiences. But Seattle's the largest um, market in the United States without a winter sport, without any NHL or an NBA team. And everyone knows the story of the Sonics. Like, I think we represent a lot of hope for this city too about the return of the Sonics eventually. And what this arena brings is so much more than just hockey too, for now, like music is such a major part of the fabric of the history of Seattle. And we've really never had a great home for music in this city. And so with our partnership with Live Nation, we're expecting to have more than double the amount of concerts that we will have hockey games. And that is something that people in this market and even regionally are as excited, if not more excited about at times than they are with hockey. That's, uh, you guys bring up some really great points and they all just, you know, cultivate more questions in my mind. I'm sure everybody's wondering. Um, I think, you know, the, the future of marketing, the future of brands is definitely within the more, the, along the lines of the more than an athlete, more than a brand, more than a sport concept. And Jessica, you really hit on that about being more than just a soccer team and having purpose and having pillars and making actionable steps to uh, achieve those goals on those pillars. So understanding that, you know, women make up a, a strong um, market uh, that everyone's trying to tap into and unleash the power of women in sports and their, their buying behaviors. What are some things um, along the line of cause marketing or just in your partnership deals? Are you either writing in now or thinking ahead um, to the future to make sure that the brand is really uh, taking taking hold of that market that's really that up and coming generation that's really focused on what are you doing in the community what are you doing off of the field um, to create that relationship yeah for us it's in our contracts you know it's the it's interesting you know how we've built our strategy and how we are purpose-driven our, our pitch you know our sponsorship pitch is very much like here's who angel city is here's how we define ourselves here's the pillars that we have Here's how we're going to change the world with our incredible ownership group that's going to amplify that for us. And then here's how we'll do that together. And there's always a statement. So there's nothing that that exists where it would be Angel City and a logo lock that's just there. It would be Angel City and a logo lock in a statement like, hey, did you realize that they supplied 5,000 young women with sports bras last year when we figured out that that's the main reason young women stopped playing sports? Or did you realize that they fed, you know, they fed over 1 million people in Los Angeles together to create, create whole human beings? We, for ourselves too, don't want a partnership that doesn't stand for something because that's who we are. And then everything else, which is traditional sponsorship, of course exists, becomes a supporting asset to that. So how does that feed into the statement? Of course, signage, radio, TV, you know, and then enhancing their brand through other areas that they need you know, us to help with, we're happy to do that. But the statement piece for us comes first and there's true dollars in every contract going towards that in these customized approaches. So. For us, that's, it's a great question and, and I think you're right. And certainly the market's telling us that this is the right strategy from the conversations we're having to date. Um, so it's, it's been incredible to see and I think also really fun to be a part of. I've sold sponsorships for a long time and a lot of them have done incredible things, but when you're able to really bring it all full circle and see the impact and know that that's not something that, yes, we bought signage and in three years we might not need it anymore. It's like, no, like look at what we did over the course of five years together 
you know, and let's talk about what that means after that point, the long-term effects, right, of actual impact and being able to use that information for their sake and our sake. And as we see it, it's the responsibility of all parties, right, to be doing things like that as we're representing our communities. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Jessica's team has quickly set the mold for um, how to really tangibly to, I mean, I think it was her first sentence, it's in our contracts, like tangibly, um, you know, bring community to life, not just in the fluffy sense that a lot of uh, groups and teams do, but really in a way that you can you can see and touch and quantify and that's required, which I commend, I think it's amazing. Our, our um, CEO, Todd Lywicki often says like, if we, if we are not making our community better as a result of being in it, then why are we even here? Like that's really truly his guiding principle. You see it come to life every day and in everything that we've done since the beginning of this whole project up here in Seattle. Um, look no further than when we launched, launched our team name uh, and our team brand and we gave all the proceeds to charity for the first month of sales. I mean, that was it for our owners who are coming out of pocket on a privately financed billion dollar arena and $650 million expansion fee for our team. Like that was not an insignificant decision to decide to further um, dedicate resources to uh, giving back to the community when you know we could have started to recoup some of that ROI. But I think another key point, Laura, that we focus on is like we, we try to look in the mirror and we've been really, really uh, purposeful about our diversity and who we have as a part of our team, because I think that that brings different ideas, different ways of thinking and um, we have had, uh, we've put, you know, rather than just sort of talk about it, we've been about it and our, we have oh, about 50% of our vice presidents in our organization are women. We hired the first ever African-American broadcaster in the history of the NHL. We hired the first female professional scout in the history of the NHL and Cami Granado, who's also a hockey hall of famer and a complete badass. And like we didn't hire her because she was a woman. We hired her because she was way better than every other candidate for that job. And that is something we're super proud of. And having those um, diverse perspectives as a part of our actual staff and our team has unlocked new opportunities and really built trust, I think, amongst the public here in Seattle. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned kind of the, the building of that community, right? And Jeff, every Every team has a place in each community around the country, around the world. But um, there's also this part of you probably don't just plop yourselves in, build this new shiny toy and then say, this is how we're doing things. You kind of go on this listening tour a bit, right? Right. You want to understand what the community needs and how you can represent what they represent. And um, you ultimately broadcast that to the world. So Jeff, Jessica, how do you go about the listening tour a little bit, even though to some extent, you're still building it and, and and at the same time, merging it all together. Yeah, our listening tour was long, maybe too long at times, honestly. We, we started this whole crazy um, process in March of 2018, so going on almost three years ago. We did the deposit drive to um, prove to the NHL that we were worthy of a franchise in Seattle. We had to get 10,000 season ticket deposits, which we thought 
we could do maybe over a couple of months um, if we really grinded our way through it. And we got 10,000 in 12 minutes. And those were paid deposits. Those are 500 or $1,000 per seat, not just someone writing their name on a dotted line. And we've kept those deposits for over two years until we started the process of actually converting those into season tickets. And over the course of that time, we had no team name, we had no arena, we had no players, we had nothing. And so the faith that um, was required of all of those folks in this region who believed in us and what we were doing back then has been totally unprecedented. And so what we did is exactly what you said, Jake, we started listening to all of them. We had this huge, huge group of people that were um, super actively engaged with us. So we got to 10,000, but we ended up getting 32,000 in the first 24 hours. Our, eventually our waiting list got up to over 50,000. Like we had these people that were just craving um, communication and engagement with us. And the first thing we had to do was name our team. And so who better to help that process than our fans? And that's where Todd's vision comes into play and really putting the fans first in everything we do. I can really confidently say that um, the Seattle Kraken is the name that we landed on because it was the one that the fans wanted. We kept hearing it come up as much you know, more than any other name in every focus group, every uh, survey, every touch point that we had with any uh, group. And it was really cool that our owners didn't decide to just name it what they liked the best uh, because, you know, frankly, as silly as that sounds, that's how most teams get named. Um, but then you've got everything from transportation and how are the fans going to get to the arena and um, now it's sustainability and we've taken on this initiative of being the first net zero carbon arena in the world and what does that mean to fans and how do we focus on that and how can they get involved and you know there's so many different areas where we asked the fans like don't guess you know and they'll help you they'll lead you on the right path. Yeah, Jeff said it best, you know, open communication with fans and allowing them to build the club for you and have that input just creates ownership on their side, right? And ultimately that's contagious, you know, to them participating and advocating and becoming their personal influencer to your brand, which is today's society, right? Like your dream is to create something that's not only cool enough for them to support monetarily, but that they become an influencer on your behalf everywhere they go. When they're talking to their families, their friends, like all their touch points on their social media accounts that you're cool enough to share or they feel pride enough in what you're doing on their behalf and how you represent them that they wanna make sure that they're amplifying that for you. So that's exactly right and exactly how we've been approaching it as well. You know, soccer is unique in that you have supporter groups, right? And they really are a, a huge pillar of your organization and you have to talk to them, you have to listen to them. And often they have incredibly valuable input. And when they're passionate about something, they will propel you to, to areas you never thought you could go. There's a reason that people that have never been to a soccer match that go are blown away. And it's that energy, right? It's that ownership. It's them understanding that this is their club and aggressively doing so, you know, so it is their club. They should have every opportunity to help you build it and that they, they alongside of you get to create that legacy. So there's a way to do that collectively, I think as new clubs that social media certainly helped with and the digital age has certainly helped with, with surveying and, and asking for help. Um, but Jeff hit on it best, you know, to, to turn to them every step of the way, you know, with every decision that you're making. That's great. And then, you know, one last question before we get into my favorite segment, 
the rapid fire. Both of you have been a part of, you know, these new brands. And first of all, I am on the Angel City uh, shop page right now looking at my next gear purchase. The Kraken is next, clearly. <laughs> um, but in your launches and the creation, what's been maybe one of the, the coolest or most uh, memorable moments for each of you in your, your, your brand launch? Oh, that's a hard question. Jeff's like staring at me like, you answer that first while I'm thinking about it. Thanks a lot, Jeff. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, for me, like, I mean, Laura, I'm like you, like, I'm still geeking out over the people that I get to work with every day. I mean, we have some of the most iconic people in our fold, right? We have yeah. Serena Williams and Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy and Glennon Doyle and these incredible human beings that I have followed and respected for many years that are now right beside us as we build this brand with purpose. And I think for me, what's been incredibly, you know, um, refreshing to how Angel City was built, and this wasn't done through me, this was done through Julie Ehrman, our, our president who sat the table for all the investors and then has brought people like me on board to, to execute, is how much each of them want to be a part of this. It's not like showing up and waving at waving to us from a suite. It's that no, like they're literally sending me emails and wanting to sit with me in pitches. And I'm like, but you host a late night show. Like you have other things to do. Mm -hmm. So it's just been, I think, overwhelming in the best way, you know, to see our brand represented at just so many diverse levels of society and just knowing the power that that holds. You gave me just enough time to come up with the right answer. Yeah, you owe me. I'll be expecting something <laughs> in the mail. I, there, there's been a number of moments, honestly, that like we have several, and we've all had them, whether it's personally or professionally, when we kind of like look around at whoever's next to us and you can just see in each other's eyes, like, is this, is this really happening right now? Like, how, how are we here for this moment? Um, there's been a number of them up here, I would say, but there's two that stand out and, you know, they're, they're kind of obvious, but um, one was, the first one was just it, somehow we got our um, naming rights partnership for our arena done during the middle of the pandemic and all the negotiations took part during the pandemic and like, you know, it was just a really incredible process to be a part of um, but the fact that the name of our arena is to our knowledge the first arena in the four major sports to um, be named after a cause instead of a corporation and so we're in the middle of a pandemic and we have to plan out all of these events differently than we would have otherwise and so we're down underneath for those who don't know our arena the roof was built in 1962 for the world's fair the same year as the space needle and we're building a billion dollar arena underneath that roof because it's a historic landmark. So it's a ship in a bottle. So we're underneath this roof, 60 feet underground in a um, 500,000 cubic yard hole that's dug under our big wedding tent that we called it out there. And um, we're telling the actual men and women, the workers, is who we did the announcement to of the Climate Pledge Arena naming rights deal. Um, and that was a moment like where we're all down there and it just meant more than putting another, you know, just another name up on a roof. Like we got to tell them it was the first um, net zero carbon arena that's ever going to have been built in the history of the world. The first arena with zero gas, no fossil fuels, like 
there was um, energy in that arena that day, that moment, uh, or I should say in that dirt pit that I think we all looked around and we thought about a year prior when we were here and had no clue how this was ever going to work. Uh, and then we did it again when we named our team. We were all down in that same uh, same hole with the same um, roof over the top of us. And those were key moments because a lot of us had worked here for well over a year, two years by then, and we had no identity. Like this wasn't real yet. You know, we were just using NHL Seattle and placeholders. Um, and that was a moment that both of those were moments that I think fans, workers, employees, community will never forget. Those are so like it. I'm slightly jealous over here, and like my my inner marketing person, inner brand development person is is definitely geeking out over here. So don't be surprised if I do a, a West Coast tour. Anytime, come hang out. Yep. On your door, I'm just knocking and being like, I'm here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so much. I think it, one of the things that I do want to make sure our audience and especially the students at the, at OU uh, hear from both of you is that it's okay to have a vision that is new or different, and it's okay to look for a brand and hold your future company and employers to an expectation of what are you doing to better this world and to make sure that, you know, the when you're looking for a new job at a company, like you're asking these questions and it's okay. So I appreciate both of you uh, touching on that because I do think that is really important, um, especially for the next generation. It's time for my favorite part of the show. Uh, we like worried? To fire. What's that? Should we be worried? Slightly. Um, so we 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 want to do the show, obviously, and talk about the sports part of it, but also just get to know both of you a little bit better for all of our amazing millions of listeners uh, for this amazing podcast, right? But so we'll start off, we'll alternate questions, and they may or may not have anything to do with sports or your job or your career at all. You don't know. It's rapid fire, right? So I'll go first, Jake, give you some time to think about what your next one is. So being that Thanksgiving was just a few days ago and we're all still eating our leftovers. My first question to both of you is sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie? Uh, pumpkin, I've gotta be honest. I don't understand sweet potatoes being at the table at all. Like I don't agree, like mashed potato, if it can't be covered in gravy on my plate, like don't put cranberry on my plate. Don't put sweet potatoes on my plate. Like you actually asked something that like I'm very passionate about. So I respect sweet potatoes for what they are. They do not belong at my Thanksgiving table in any form. I'm gonna go completely rogue and say apple pie. Neither yeah. one. That's my preference. That's like a whole different ball game, right? I'm all about I'm all about the apple pie. I'm all about the apple pie. Thank so you, I'm up. Jake. I'm, up <laughs> I'm up next. I'm up next. Jeff, you mentioned concerts. You mentioned concerts. What is, we don't know, we don't, we don't have to ruin any surprises if they're already coming, but what's the one concert you want to see? And Jess, if you could have a concert, obviously at your stadium as well, what's it going to be? Yeah, I'll be a total homer uh, with this response and say Pearl Jam is the one that I'm looking forward to. It's uh, one of my favorite bands, but also, you know, the hometown, it's where everybody associates their career and for them to play this arena in this town and probably do so for several nights in a row is gonna be a historic moment. So that's the one I'm looking forward to. 
I appreciate how you're thinking about that, but I'm just going with like, am I happy with this situation? <laughs> so uh, Kid Cudi, 1000%, like he is my favorite artist. He inspires me consistently and, and he gives a, live sh a great live show. Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. That's a He's good so one. Good. He's so good. That's a good one. All right, my turn. So both of you have been on the East Coast and the West Coast. Which coast is the best coast? <laughs> This We're in so much trouble here. I'm just, look, I'm just, this is, this is right. This is the, the family. This is the OU family, right? Yeah. I, I, come coast. on, it, you, the, you got to go with the one that rhymes, the West Coast, <laughs> coast, right? I mean, that's the obvious answer. I liked a lot of things about both, but I'm from the West Coast, so I got to go, I got to go West. You know, the only people that say West Coast is best coast are people from the West Coast. It's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, well, this is like great. Coast. Here, here's, I mean, for me, I, I love being from the East Coast and living on the West Coast and actually like having opportunity to like live in both areas. It's the dream because both are just the best in so many different ways. Um, but I do, to be fair, like love the West Coast, especially right now. You know, it's cold outside. It's, it's 40 to 50 degrees. You can still go for a hike and get to the ocean. You can drive up to Tahoe. Like there's a lot you can do here. Hey, we can give some love to the Midwest, too. I think Jessica and I both have some love for the Midwest. And I know that any OU folks that are listening right now can resonate with that. But I lived in Ohio and Detroit. I know Jessica was in Ohio. Like, uh, uh, the Midwest is awesome, too. It is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with that, Jeff. Um, favorite part about Athens, Ohio? Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. Not like, not like favorite place or favorite part about Athens, Ohio? Or favorite bar. Yeah. I'm not going to take the easy way out here because 99 out of 100 people would just say Court Street. Um, I, th I think uh, my favorite part about it was showing up there, not knowing a single human being, not knowing where the hell I was on a map, um, not having ever heard of Athens before I uh, decided to go to the, the through the program and then leaving there with a family, a family of friends, a, a network, a group of um, people that I will be close with and appreciate forever. That's always my favorite part of Athens. I just always appreciate how economically friendly the alcoholic beverages are. I $20 down to Court Street. Like you feel like a king or queen. Like it, you are like living large that day, you know. So. It's so much fun. You just walk in, you're just like, wait, what did you say? How much, how much was that? Like, can I have four? <laughs> like, Shots for everybody. Here's yes. 30. Keep the change. I've done that. <laughs> because I'm like, why not? <laughs> it's one of the best parts, I think, about going back as an alum. You get to, especially if you're fresh in a new job and you only have $30 in your pocket. Right. And you show up and you're like, you know what? Young one, I got you. Yeah, right. <laughs> everybody gets a drink. Keep the change. Exactly. <laughs> Laura. You're, uh, you're up and, and wrap it up for us. Last one. All right. This one is, is close to my heart. Dogs or cats? Oh, well, I love both, dogs, but we, we, have, we have a dog. Can we throw in a third option, kids? Does that work? <laughs> no. No, because then it's, it's too weighted. It, that, well, also, Jake, if you don't choose your kids, like you're in more trouble, like you're like you're dogs. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> dogs are dogs. But there, dogs. 
There's a certain someone who may or may not listen to this, and she is going to be very excited that I will proclaim to the world we're getting our first dog in 17 days. Nice. On December 20th, not that I'm counting or anything. So we are. We're gonna see all dogs. the cupcakes on like Jeff's, all his all of Webster's socials. He's gonna be that guy that's like, it's my puppy. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you both so, so much for taking the time out of your day. We know with any startup, with any new thing, your schedules are packed. And so we really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Uh, so we'll end with words from the both of you. If there's one thing that you want to make sure uh, OU students that are going to listen to this now in future will take from your conversation, take from you, what is it? Oh boy, I'll go, I'll go first. I'll give you time to think this time around. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, just enjoy the time you have in Athens. Like it sounds cliche, but man, it, it felt like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of times when we're all in school, like all we want to do is get out of school, but you've got the rest of your life to work. Um, that was two of the best years that I've ever had. And certainly um, build your network. Like I think the people who did that while in Athens and continued to do so afterwards um, really saw benefits in terms of their advancement in their career. And um, those were two, two key things for me. Yeah, and I would say ask for help as much as you can and don't be afraid to, to say when you don't know something, whether it's what you're doing right now I ask for help now all the time. Brent Shobe, like I call that guy constantly. <laughs> so like, what do you think about this? You know, but, and I call, you know, 10 to 12 different alumni, you know, that are in my network that to Jeff's point, you've built that relationship with that you can just have honest conversations with and help each other um, do what's best. So don't be afraid to ask for help. It's okay if you don't know the answer at any stage of your career, um, you have the people and the resource that can get it to you. No, that's awesome. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining our Ohio University Sports Administration series, uh, Life After Court Treat. So appreciate it, Jeff, Jessica, best of luck with the launch of the brands in the near future and uh, looking forward to following. Thanks, guys. The Thanks, no, that's awesome. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining our Ohio University Sports Administration series, uh, Life After Court Treat. So appreciate it, Jeff, Jessica. Best of luck with the launch of the brands in the near future and uh, looking forward to following. Thanks, guys. Go Thanks, Bobcats. Guys.